Hello and welcome back to Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio with myself, Carol Tallon, the show where we chat to industry experts to get a view of what's happening on the ground and new trends emerging within the construction industry. The show is brought to you in partnership with Place Engage, the data-driven platform for more successful public consultation and community engagement for your next development project. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Niall Morrissey, CEO of the Housing Infrastructure Services Company. Uh, Niall, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Karen. It's great to have the opportunity to talk to you. Um, Niall, you know, it's always a good thing for me. I always feel that we're living up to our industry mandate when people contact me and say, have you heard about this company? You should interview this chap for your show. Um, it, it, It makes me believe that we're living up to our industry mandate when the industry is telling us news uh, that's happening on the ground. And the housing infrastructure services company certainly has the potential to be a real game changer in terms of unlocking uh, the the delivery of homes. So you might just talk us through the core offering of the housing infrastructure services company or HISCO. Yeah, well, HISCO was established Uh, with the sole objective of delivering infrastructure that is holding up residential development and uh, residential development and delivery of residential development and speeding up of residential development is our core objective. I suppose just to start from the beginning, um, our, 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 our shareholding partners are kind of an unusual collaboration. So what you have there is uh, Cork County Council and the Ireland Strategic Investment Fund, which is managed by the NTMA. Uh, they started a conversation a number of years ago focused purely on why are we not seeing you know, activity ramping up on residential development sites, d- despite the fact that they were seeing planning approvals going through at that time. And I suppose that they, there are many factors holding up residential development, but the one they decided to focus on is infrastructure and infrastructure challenges. So hence, uh, they put HISCO together and I joined them uh, at the beginning of 2020 as chief executive. So the service we provide is quite simple. We, we uh, can provide either on-site or off-site infrastructure. So first and foremost, just to, to keep it simple, let's just focus on on-site infrastructure for a moment. So where um, we, we have a few projects underway at the moment whereby we are, we are delivering the uh, all the services outside the garden gate as I like to refer to them. So your your footpaths, your public lighting, your foul sewer, your stormwater, everything is up for consideration, including all your, your development contribution payments, maybe to your connection charges to Irish water. All of that is up for discussion. Uh, whereby uh, HISCO can come in and deliver and physically deliver all of those. So we engage a contractor to deliver those services for the developer. Uh, on the back of a, a legal agreement whereby we've agreed the costs and the overall costs, which includes, you know, your consulting engineer or QS or wherever other professions are required. We then divide that cost over the number of units involved. And the unique element of our service then is we only charge you when you sell the unit. So if we, for, for argument's sake, if it's 15,000 a unit, you only pay 15000 when the first house is sold or first lease. But let's just focus on, on selling because it's predominantly the main, the main uh, thing that happens. So it gives the developer a cash flow break in that, in that particular example, whereby we've gone in and put in $1 million, $2 million, $3 million, depending on the complexity of the, of the project. We're putting that in day one of the first 9, 12, 18 months of the project. The developer then gets on with construction of houses, 
and sale of those houses. And then only on sale of those houses are they paying HISCO the fee payable, whereas the 14, 15,000, whatever the fee we've agreed at the start. So it, in that particular instance, we're delivering on-site infrastructure, we're giving a cash flow break uh, to the developer, allowing them to get on with construction. And in some cases, in some cases, not all, um, that allows them to avoid having to bring in senior lending on site. But in most cases, they wouldn't have to bring in senior lending, and that's fine too. So that's that's an example of on-site infrastructure projects. Now, uh, before you move on to off-site uh, infrastructure, you might just explain what was happening before HISCO. Um, how was this type of infrastructure being paid for? Well, I suppose in terms of um, a developer typically would have to go out and find uh, a combination of their own equity and senior lending uh, to deliver the, the particular project. And, and therefore, they were on then a fixed term repayment uh, 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 plan, we'll say, uh, an agreement with their senior lender. So it would be very much defined in terms of the a timeline we define when they'd have to be paid. Whereas with HISCO, it's until you sell that unit. So we're with you until the day you sell your very last unit. We've no fixed term. There's no actual term involved at all here. So in some projects we're dealing with, that could be seven, eight, nine years time before the final unit is actually sold. So it very much gives you uh, the peace of mind of knowing you don't have to come up with cash in advance of income accruing to you through the sale of units. Has there been, uh, I, 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 I assume there has been some sort of a costing model done to compare the cost of uh, working with Cisco as opposed to the alternative, say, for a standard development site? Um, I suppose, yeah, we've looked at our own cost base. And I suppose it, first and foremost, to explain uh, how our costs are made up. Um, so when HISCO enters a project, uh, we borrow that money from the Ireland Strategic Investment Fund. Okay, so HISCO has a loan to service, okay, separately to the developer. Uh, other than that, we're adding on a small contribution to our overheads, and there's a small profit for the for the shareholders because the the entity is set up as a private name of the company, so we must be a going concern. The two shareholders are not in this to make huge numbers of prop, amount of profits. It is a vehicle to assist the developer. So we borrow the money. That allows me to pay the bills on a monthly basis and paying the contractor at the end of each month and paying the professionals at the end of each month in the normal way anyone would. Um, and I suppose we've done our, our own analysis in terms of where we compare with, with other lending around the market. So I can't disclose what our, our interest rate agreed with, with ISAF is, but I can say to you that we are coming in somewhere around, you know, a little. we are a little bit dearer than the high street banks, but we're not as dear as some of the other funding mechanisms out there. We kind of come in there in tier two, if you say there was three levels of lending, we're in around tier two. So we're we're fairly reasonable in terms of cost. And bearing in mind, we have a huge risk to take and that we are with you till the very last unit is sold. So we have to balance that in terms of, of where we come into the market in terms of, of, of um, in terms of the risk we're taking versus the cost we're charging. OK, thanks for breaking that down. Uh, you might then just talk us through maybe the offsite uh, infrastructure. Oh, absolutely. And this is where I think HISCO would have a gr much greater impact because there are numerous examples throughout the country whereby large pieces of infrastructure are holding up several developers. So you have a multitude of developers. So I'll give you an example where we have we have started construction of a ring road in Drogheda, north of Drogheda. So in that situation, there are there are a number of landowners up there who either could not come into planning or were conditioned that they could not start their planning permissions until this particular piece of road was underway. So the Loud County Council 15 years ago went about getting their Part A approval in place. 
went about uh, getting their compulsory purchase order sorted out so they had they had secured the lands. But since then, they've tried and tried and tried and tried, but were unsuccessful in securing any state funding to deliver that piece of infrastructure. So in our case now, we have contracted with two developers, uh, Lorcan Green and Bally McKinney Developments Limited and Joe O'Reilly's Castledorn, who between them will deliver 1,300 units. Um, and we've agreed the overall cost of construction, like I explained previously, we are now have divided that back down into a price per unit, exactly the same model, and they only pay us the price per unit as each, as each house is sold. But that has allowed HISCO to go out to the market, and we've employed Clomel Enterprises to construct the road. We have a team of five different professionals who are, who are um, overseeing the project for us, from archaeologists to ecologists to consulting engineers. And we've now unlocked that piece of infrastructure. So, yes... The two developers Hisco is contracted with are now building. They've started already. Uh, but it also allowed other developers to now come in and get their planning permissions underway, get them approved and start building. So we've done a calculation that ultimately it will free up uh, up to 5,000 units north of Drada to eventually be constructed and sold in that area. So that's it's it's going to have a phenomenal impact. Um, and actually, the the uh, Drogheda Port access the Northern Cross route that was the the project that um, I, I first heard of Hisco in that context. And I know the Taoiseach and and the Housing Minister actually uh, turned the sod only in the last month or two. Um, so you you talk there about bringing the two <coughs> larger developers in, um, who between them will be delivering thirteen hundred homes. But we know that the completion of this road actually facilitates somewhere in the region of maybe 5,000 homes. So how do you get two developers who are going to be developing 1,300 homes to foot the bill for infrastructure that's going to to yeah. essentially be servicing 5,000? And, you know, I, I'm asking this in a way that we want this to be attractive to developers. We want them to do this because then it actually speeds up the delivery of homes. But I'm just wondering... Uh, from a business model point of view, how do you make that work? Yeah, great question. So ultimately, for the HISCO model to work, the developers that in, that engage HISCO must have planning approval. Okay, so I have a finite number of units that we can work our figures on. Okay, so whereas the discussion started with four different developers, the other two were not ready on time and just had to drop off in terms of direct engagement with HISCO. But this is where the local authority comes in, in terms of the cooperation. So Loud County Council have put in, in a new development contribution scheme, which in summary states, anybody paying HISCO is exempt from that portion of the levy. Anybody not engaged or paying HISCO must pay the levy to Loud County Council. So everybody is paying, is paying pretty much the same, but there's an acknowledgement that if everybody stood back, the road wouldn't happen. So in one, in one sense, you have to applaud the developers that have got stuck in with HISCO and, and uh, have helped us to prove the model because this is our, our, our first and biggest one for an offsite project. Um, but equally, the, the other developers in the area have been, you know, doing their best to help us and move us on and assist us because they can see where it could be a benefit to them. But that's where Low County Council's cooperation was crucial so that exactly the point you're making that it's from a commercial perspective, it's seen as fair and equitable for everybody in that region. So, and to be fair to Loud County Council, 
they have spent in the region of an excess of 10 million bringing it to a shovel ready state. So they're quite entitled to recoup some of their monies through other contributions as well. So uh, that's how it worked in Loud. It'll be it'll be different in all the in, in, no matter where I go in the country, it'll be it'll be slightly different. In a lot of the cases we're looking at, there are three or four developers, and that's all there is. And they're all ready, and they'll they'll come in with me with Hisco and do and do the deal directly, and there won't be anybody outside benefiting, if you get me, you know. So it, it's different diff, case by case basis, you know. I, I understand. And sorry, I know you touched on it there, you know, that this is something specific with uh, Loud County Council. But are you looking at that? Because, look, I, I think it is it is important that there is an exemption from the development levy because otherwise there's essentially a double payment. And I, and I do think it's important then that those who haven't contributed actually continue to make that development levy. Through the use of HISCO, how are the local authorities then making their money if, anybody who's who's working through HISCO is exempt from the development levy. Are you actually working with the local councils? Are you covering part of that development levy? Well, we're not covering part of it. Okay, so it's ultimately the developer pays here, however it works, either to HISCO or to the local authority. So, um, so HISCO, to be fair, doesn't put any money in ourselves. We provide the loan funding to get it all working and get it underway. Um, so, you know, again, case by case basis. So in a lot of cases, the local authorities recognize with their piece of infrastructure, they may have to put a new development contribution in place to make sure it's fair and equitable. So um, it, 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 to be fair, local county councils are ground, groundbreaking in that perspective that they have they've actually, you know, uh, identified HISCO in the wording of the development contribution scheme. So that's that's unusual that they would mention an entity as such in terms of the delivery of the piece of infrastructure. So that's groundbreaking from, from that perspective. Is there a danger of local authorities losing income through this? Um, I, I, I don't think so. Um, I think in fairness to local authorities, their, their, their main objective is to deliver a piece of infrastructure. And uh, like ultimately in, in Louth, and this is what, what will happen throughout the country, is when HISCO is has completed the construction of these infrastructure will be handing over responsibility to the local authority and then they will take it in charge and, and move on with life as, as normal. Um, it, it, it always will stand as a piece of infrastructure that they can, it, it allows them to justify their own development contribution schemes and they'll be taking in contributions into the future on the back of the piece of infrastructure being delivered. So um, I think that the, the local authorities are more focused on the fact that they couldn't deliver a piece of infrastructure, and now through this new model, they will deliver the piece of infrastructure, and life gets on uh, in terms of development, and, and in the case of Java, in terms of, of uh, transport management as well, because it's crucial from a transport management perspective, as well as residential development. Yeah, it, it looked to be honest, the Drahada Port, um, the Access Northern uh, Cross Route was such an important piece of infrastructure to get to get in place you know, again, with the intention of unlocking up to in the region of 5,000 homes. But we know that roads isn't the main infrastructure that's holding up delivery. I mean, over the last number of years, Irish Water has taken a little bit of a flogging from the industry. Um, is there anything happening in that respect? Yeah, I've had numerous discussions with Irish Water at a, at a very high level because exactly that um, we keep tripping across instances where it's the lack of a water main, the lack of capacity in the local sewerage treatment plant, uh, the lack of, of treatment itself, that could be the issue. So 
Um, Irish Water, to be very fair, have come around to try and find ways to work with us because, you know, again, if it's on their capital investment program or a long way down their capital investment program, they can see where HISCO might be able to come in and deliver, deliver something quicker. So we are working on a, on a couple of pilots with them to see how we can deliver it uh, and comply with their various uh, procedures and processes, which, you know, and, and I, I, I can see clearly from my discussion with Irish Water, they are trying their damnedest to improve their systems and processes. I can see that clearly. And I know they come in for a lot of flack, but they're certainly trying to be more um, proactive in terms of finding ways to deliver infrastructure quicker and more efficiently. So they can see that HISCO could possibly be, be one of those methods to deliver. And so we are looking at a couple of pilots at the moment um, throughout the country so that, you know, again, as I say, they're very particular and for, for good reason, very particular about their standards and their specifications. And they, they need to be very protective of that in terms of the future of, of those assets. But um, I think we certainly can find ways to work with them. And if we can crack the first couple of pilots, we can roll that out in several locations throughout the country. And even now, it's slightly different, but even in Drogheda, we are delivering a water main for them in the new road. Now, that's on their capital investment program. So they're paying for that directly to HISCO. But it shows you how we can collaborate as well in terms of of of, um, of uh, signing an agreement between us where we're delivering the water main for them and, and they're paying it for us. So we've we've got to know each other very much so for the Drogheda project. Very good. Um, Niall, you know, anybody who is listening to not just uh, property and construction commentary, but quite frankly, kind of state of the nation as such, we know that so many of our problems, whether it's across the, the rental market, the current controversy over the um, eviction ban, everything is coming back to a chronic undersupply of homes. Um, and I know we work a lot on the MMC side through MMC Ireland in terms of um, ramping up modern methods of construction and other uh, other things that will ramp up the, the delivery of homes. But obviously, the Housing Infrastructure Services Company is doing something very practical to unlock land for residential development. Can you give a sight into your pipeline of projects over kind of the next 24 months? Yeah, I can't agree anymore. I mean, we can have all the debates and discussions and everything about the various industry and the problems and the blockages and planning and uh, infrastructure, but unless we we produce supply, um, we're we're not going to to solve the 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 the, the hunger for either rental accommodation or or for purchase. Either or, we, it needs supply at the end of the day. So, in terms of our supply line, yeah, we're looking at projects all over the country at the moment. I, I mean, number one uh, objective for me was to get out there and speak with every single management team and the local authorities, all the, the as many as possible of the development community to get inside people's uh, heads in terms of what HISCO can deliver. That's bringing through um, numerous projects to us at the moment, which we're examining. And <clears throat> you see, okay, the frustrating bit for us and for the whole country is that at the end of the day, we are we are at the mercy of statutory consents. And, you know, the, there's a planning approval required for the piece of infrastructure or a Part 8 approval or, or an ordinary planning application approval required. In a number of cases, there will be compulsory purchase orders required in terms of delivery of the piece of infrastructure. And that can be a road or it can be... The extension of a local treatment plant um and therefore that that that's you know frustratingly slow sometimes but we get there and then at least i think what's very important message for me to deliver is that you know if 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 if, a, if an authority doesn't see the potential for something to be funded they probably don't have the energy or the resources to put into getting those early 
um, steps in place. Okay, but when they only see that there is something like Hisco there, uh, as well as state funding, state funding might might still come your way. But now that Hisco is very definitely there, it gives them the impetus to get on with the part eights and the CPOs. So, if I was to put a figure on it, I suppose. I've, I've counted up recently, you know, what the potential is. At the moment, we have projects which would come to about 50,000 units. If we were delivering them all tomorrow morning as such, if you get me. So, and, but they will happen piecemeal over the next few years. And we, we're, we're trying to speed them up as much as possible, push and pull and drag where we have to in terms of, of getting them to construction point. Uh, but certainly there are at least up to 50,000 units that are held up in one shape or form by the non-delivery of some piece of infrastructure around the country. That's that's a huge figure looking at the crisis we're at at the moment. The annual demand, I, I, I know the teacher uh, um, recently suggested that it's more than a quarter of a million new homes needed. And we know the construction industry can only do what it can do. It can only deliver what it, what it can deliver. It's very clear to me there is still an education piece that needs to happen to take the chokeholds out of the system. Um, in terms of, of taking taking these blocks out of the system, where are the points of resistance that you're coming up against? Well, look, I, I don't want to be another one harping on about planning, but about, to, be honest, to be honest about it, it is planning. So first and foremost, it's in terms of getting decisions through on Borpanola much quicker. Uh, I know they're ramping up in terms of their own resources and they'll, they'll get there. Um, but we certainly have to look at the whole judicial re- review process. And okay, people are entitled to have the they're entitled to, to to object to a particular scheme and to take that through the courts if they see necessary. But what we can't see is a definite timeline in the courts. I mean, that's really the frustration. I'm listening to developers every day. Um, I'd say, top of my head, there's about six of our schemes held up because of judicial reviews. So we can't go anywhere with them because there nobody can tell you what the future of them is. Is there will they get through? Will they not get through? But the really frustrating thing is nobody can say when they'll have a decision. And I think that that piece needs to be tackled quite quickly because in, in business, no matter what you're doing, you need some certainty, you know, some level of certainty. And if you have, you're sitting on 100, 200, 300, 400 units, which you've already pumped in some cases, three or 400,000 into putting that application together um, and not knowing when you're actually going to have a decision, be it negative or positive, I think that really needs to be tackled. Um, but overall, from my perspective, it is the planning system that is holding things up at the moment. And I'm not the first to say that and won't be the last, but that really needs an overhaul. I'd be I'd be straight about it. I think that the new planning development bill is only tinkering around the edges as such. I don't think it's tackling really head on what the blockages are in the system. And I think it needs to look at trimming down the length of time planning approvals need. I'm not saying throw planning out. We have to have good planning. There's no doubt in my mind we need good planning, but I don't think the system needs to be, you know, take as long to deliver decisions. And look, take that from a higher economic perspective, and we can all see what various um, entities considering investing in this country are saying, my God, what a wonderful country to develop in. Everything looks right from a from an economic perspective. Where are my employees going to live? And that's that's the important thing. And can they afford to live in the places I want to develop the jobs in? So this is getting crucial now. And to my mind, I think it, it has to be looked upon as an emergency. We've been brilliant in terms of dealing with emergencies over the last four or five years, with everything that's been thrown at us on the world stage. And I think this one just needs to be grasped the same as an emergency and and 
maybe even on a temporary basis, we 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 deal with that and use the legislation and had our hands in terms of, of getting planning approvals through. The the changes to the planning bill that you're referring to there, I know we have been promised a radical overhaul of the system. You don't think that that's what's that what's on the cards? I'm saying this, and I have to respect the fact that we're still in a kind of a consultative process in terms of that. It's, 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 there's still discussions ongoing, but I think I think that the industry is being very clear in delivering the message that it's not radical enough. And yes, there'll be there'll be improvements, but at the end of the day, it, it isn't radical enough. And and look, what 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 does radical look like? I mean, I mean, people just need to have a very finite planning system that we know the number of months it will take to get through. Fine, we'll answer the question, delivering the drawings, make sure everything looks right from a planning perspective and comply with the county development plans and the local area plans. But we need a finite timeline. This thing where we either end up um, in, in a board planola on a, on a never-ending basis or in the courts waiting for a decision, they're the, the places that we need to tackle and, and put some certainty back into the system. Uh, thank you, Niall. You know, generally, I, I generally we like to to finish on an answer, but I think on this occasion we are going to have to finish on a question. I, I think you posed a very interesting one there. What does radical change look like in the context of Ireland's planning regime? And I think that that's probably a longer conversation for another day, and we're a bit away from that. But uh, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today. That was Niall Morris, the CEO of the Housing Infrastructure Services Company, or HISCO. Um, our thanks to the show producer, Katie Tallon, and to the, pro- the podcast production team at Hear Me Roar Media. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out all of the other real estate and construction shows on iProperty Radio. Before we go, we'd like to give a special thanks to our sponsor, Place Engage. The, using immersive technologies, Place Engage offers a data-driven platform for more successful public consultation and community engagement for your next development project. So thank you, Place Engage, for supporting our podcast and making these conversations possible. Uh, Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch up with you on the next episode of Breaking Ground on iProperty Radio.